What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to Relax. We're all gonna die. I'm Jackie Dutton, and thank you so much for listening. So, let's talk about the title of this podcast before we get into it. I know, it's a little bit of an oxymoron. Most of the time when you hear, we're all gonna die, it's usually in full panic mode right before Godzilla shows up and takes out a building. But I was at a funeral, and one of my cousins said the most simple thing to me. He said, 10 out of 10 of us don't get out of this alive. So there's a little perspective for you. Statistically speaking, 100% of us don't make it out of life alive. And when I applied this focus and that mindset to my present frame of mind and used it as a tool to evaluate my priorities, I just stopped caring about a lot of stupid things. And to go with it, there went a lot of anxiety or preoccupation or mental worry about all of the stress over shit that I was so focused on that didn't actually matter. So this podcast is meant to highlight some of those things and discuss how to stop giving a shit about a lot of it (laughs) so that you too can live life with the, wow, relax. If I die, this wouldn't matter. So I'm not going to focus on it anymore. I hope you enjoy this podcast and thank you for listening. So I have been spending way too much time on my phone. Like when that screen time notification pops up on Sunday and tells me how much time I've spent on that stupid thing, it is an embarrassing number. It's like a number I don't even want to say out loud. It's so embarrassing. Because when that number pops up, I realize that if I took that time and applied it to something productive or inspiring, like learning a language or playing an instrument or studying for a new skill, that by the rule of 10,000 hours that you become a master at something that you do or study or practice for 10,000 hours... I would be Bobby fucking Fisher at something by now if I just took the time I spent on my phone and applied it somewhere else. And and not even like over a few years, like not even accumulation of a few years of me being on my phone. Like, no, just from the beginning of the fucking pandemic until now, like in that 10 month period, I have amassed so much time stupidly scrolling on my phone I could genuinely be Beethoven of something by now. If having focused at one single skill, I could be fucking Yoda at it by now. It's really embarrassing and it it kind of pisses me off. It makes me mad at myself when I think about it. But instead of becoming a Jedi master at something, I watched Tiger King and saw people fight over politics and I liked a bunch of Twisted Tea memes. A large part of why I've spent so much time on my phone, besides the pandemic, besides COVID, blah, 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 and in addition to all those obvious reasons, is that I am unemployed and I moved 3,000 miles away from home right before this started. I have no friends where I'm at, like no friends of my own, and I'm not saying any of this for sympathy. I'm just trying to set the scene for you. That aside from my husband, who is working full-time, and my dog, I don't have a whole lot of interpersonal communications right now. Consequently, I'm sitting here talking to myself with a fucking microphone in front of me. So here we are. 
But anyway, I've spent a lot of time on my phone recently, and a lot of that, a lot of time, has been spent on Instagram. So having an Instagram account right now in the middle of having no real personal interaction is a lot like Voldemort in the first Harry Potter living off the bald teacher. How he eats the unicorn blood to sustain his life, but really it's just a half-life because you're paying the price of taking the life of something so beautiful. Like, that's what Instagram feels like. It's like using someone's bald-ass head as a host for your life because you can't actually go live your own life in person. That's what it feels like. And, and furthermore, every other social media account you get and you use, it feels like a fucking horcrux. Like you just split your soul again and again and again in order to use it and pretend that you could keep living in some form or fashion when really you're never going to be a whole person again if you don't actually put yourself together and go live your life. <sighs> it's dark magic bullshit. That's what I'm saying. Social media is dark magic bullshit, and it isn't anything remotely close to having one singular good real life in person. So one of the things that annoys me the most about Instagram right now, because I've spent enough time on it to really deep dive and think about this, is the idea of the influencer. And it's these people who have these beautifully curated feeds, all of their pictures are the same tone, their furniture in their house is specifically chosen to match a color theme. I've even seen a girl on Instagram who won't admit this, but I swear to you she even chose a dog based on his neutral toned fur. But it, I've just spent a lot of time noticing this stuff, like, like being able to cognizantly see it for what it is. And I will catch myself thinking, wow, I really need to get off of this. Like, at the point where you start to recognize common themes and you're like, wow, this is such horseshit. Why am I not then able to just click out of it and go do something productive? But for some reason, I'm caught in this scroll and it's like this riptide, this digital riptide of bullshit. I ended up watching The Social Dilemma and I think a lot of people saw that movie, right? And it was on Netflix, um, if you haven't seen it. It's pretty good. But after I watched that, a few weeks later, I ended up stumbling across this book called How to Break Up with Your Phone. So if you liked The Social Dilemma and it encouraged you to think about your phone differently, How to Break Up with Your Phone gives you not only facts and information on how they have engineered your phone to grab your attention more, but the back nine of the book is an actual roadmap day by day and like a 30 day plan, I believe, on how to actually break your addiction to your phone. And even if you think you're not addicted to your phone, uh, I mean, it's arguable, right? Like crackheads don't think they're addicted, but it's just in ways that you find yourself using your phone that are inappropriate or rude and maybe 20 years ago people would have been like wow I can't believe you just pulled out a phone and stopped paying attention to me it's it's noticing ways in which your phone should probably just be put away and not be used and it's completely unnecessary because let's face it at the end of the day your phone might as well be heroin to an attention span like, you turn to it and you go for it when you want to distract yourself, but then it becomes the thing distracting you. It's this vicious cycle. It genuinely does become an addiction. 
So if you find yourself unable to be even mildly bored in a situation without pulling out your phone, like a waiting room or sitting in traffic in your car, driving, which is scary, but anyway. But if you pick up your phone in these instances and you have the urge to open apps and scroll and, you know, do something kind of mind-numbing just because you happen to be bored, well, you're going to need to step away from the crack pipe that is your phone and probably look into this book and watch these documentaries about it. Ironically, I have been reading this book on my phone, which I'm positive <laughs> I'm positive that was not the point or the intention of the author, but that is beside the point I'm trying to make. There are some fantastic tips on how to disconnect yourself from it, regardless of whether or not you read it as a physical copy or on your phone. Something the book points out that is really the focus of the discussion today is that social media companies have figured out how to turn your attention and your focus into their currency. They are making money off of everything you're looking at on a free app. When something is free, you are the product. So when you start thinking, wow, if someone Venmoed me every time I hit a like button or looked at a post longer than a second, then I'd probably want to look at my phone all the time too. Well, somebody is Venmoing them every time you open that app and you look at it. So wrap your mind around that. Think about how much your time and attention is probably worth in a genuine dollar amount to someone. And make that be you. Make that someone be you. Your attention and your focus should be worth a dollar amount to you. And then if you're really brave, you can go look at your screen time and and really salt the wound on how expensive your time actually should be to you. And I think the million dollar question beyond noting how expensive your time is actually worth or how much your time is actually worth, the real million dollar question is what were you looking at? What was I looking at? What are any of us looking at as we scroll through this stupid ass app? Like, do you ever just find yourself caught in the scroll of weird shit? And things make you happy, things make you sad, and emotional, then angry, then indifferent, then you're looking for comments, then you're doing that. But really, it's just scrolling through a slot machine roller coaster of unexpectation and unexpected feelings. And you're looking for this, like, like, what are you looking for? Do you want to be happy? Like, what was the intention you set when you opened the app? And consequently, when you open it, if you didn't set the intention of, I want to find the funniest video I can, I'm specifically going to search something funny, find it, laugh, and then close it. Because we're not setting an intention when we open this app, we end up getting this complete onslaught of way too much. It's just a, a tidal wave of everything. So you're feeling everything in your search to what was actually just supposed to be to unwind. And this leads to you continuing to feel that way even when you close the app. So no wonder we're all anxious and sad and emotional and stressed out and fucked up because we're spending all of our time that our brains should actually be idle, you know, like meditating or being bored or genuinely winding down which boredom then ends up spawning creativity and inspiration. But instead, we're just like drowning in this tidal wave of constant 
information and constant pictures and photos and videos and it's sad and it's happy and it's this and it's that and it's too much. It's too much. I know that we're usually looking at the internet in hopes of a comedic break. Maybe it's porn. I don't know. But usually I get on the internet because I want to laugh, right? Most people, I think, get on the internet because they want to see something that makes them feel good. And honestly, from the original weird YouTube videos all the way to these Twisted Tea memes recently, the internet is undefeated in a mass collection of particular humor. Like, the internet... (laughs) The internet is fantastic at finding the thing that's funny about something fucked up. So I understand why we're all getting on and why we're using it as the source of uh, hoping that we can find a immediate hit of feel-good, laugh-out-loud humor. I remember when YouTube was this, like, very weird place with the chocolate rain video and like Jenna Marbles and the news story about the leprechaun in Mobile, which is still one of the funniest videos ever. But that was the original YouTube. That was YouTube before Google owned it, before you could make any money off of it. It was just a funny, weird place. Instagram was nothing like it is now. It wasn't owned by Facebook. It had like four filters and hardly anybody really used it. And an iPhone was this small, very, very fragile piece of shit. But now, not even 15 years later, we have reached a full-on attention crack epidemic of technology. And it's cracking out your focus and your attention span. And unfortunately, instead of using these incredible devices in your pocket for, you know, leveling up learning and productivity all the time, instead it's being used against you. The people who designed it are robbing you of your time and your focus. One of my favorite jokes ever is that if you could tell someone from the early 20th century anything at all, like 1910, If they're around that age, like, you need to tell them something about today, what would you tell them? And the response is, at all times, I carry a small device in my pocket that will tell me absolutely anything I ever need to want and know. Translate any language, look up any fact, see current events as they're happening, and anything else I wanted to see. And instead of using it for these reasons... I use it to look at pictures of cats. That's my favorite joke, because you handed somebody the world, and instead of using it for an amazing purpose, they use it for something fucking stupid, right? But amidst the pictures of cats, and amidst the funny videos, and the twisted tea memes, and, you know, the arguments over politics, there is this small group of people, and I guess it really isn't that small, but they're on every social platform, And they are called influencers. And I'm just going to go ahead and deem that zombie, dead-eyed bullshit look in your eyes when you are caught in the scroll, can't stop, won't stop, but you're not really connected and you're just scrolling. I am coining this term today, scrolling under the influencer. One of my best friends on Earth is particularly susceptible to the influencer recommendation. 
and more notably the swipe up feature that comes with this influencer thing. The swipe up feature makes me so angry, it makes me pray for the asteroid and the rapture all at the same time. We deserve it, okay? The swipe up feature completely earned it for us. It's the dumbest thing ever to be scrolling through, looking at everyone's attention whoredom look at me thing, and then be sold something amidst the look at me shit. Can you imagine being in a normal conversation with a friend and you're talking and they're telling you a story about something you're interested in and then out of nowhere they're like, by the way, you should buy this sweatshirt. You would probably not hang out with that person anymore. Like after the fifth time, wouldn't you be like, yeah, it's weird, like we're friends, but she keeps trying to sell me this fucking sweatshirt. Well, being sold something on social media is kind of the same thing because they're posing as if they are your friend. And because of this, I just really wish that we all had the opportunity and the option to disable the swipe up feature. Everything with a swipe up, it it should just go. Like, I just want to toggle it off. I want to turn it off. But there are people who keep buying this tactic, clearly. That's why they keep doing it. But one of my friends is particularly susceptible to this. Like, swipe up. Okay, she will. And it's hard for me to watch anyone be easily duped by this tactic because I was an advertising major. So in addition to attending a lot of football games and pickling my liver with alcohol, I learned that the most powerful form of advertising there ever was and ever will be is one that social media really injected this form of advertising with steroids. It is simply word of mouth advertising. It isn't isolated anymore to just hearing about something from your mom or your friend. Instead, it's been expanded to things like Amazon reviews. And while you'll notice that things with a high number of positive reviews sell way more and rank higher, even if it isn't the better product, but it's because there are more and more people recommending this product to you with written word. A testimonial and somebody's firsthand account of some positive brand experience is a very powerful form of advertising because it's a tactic trying to convince you that you are hearing about an experience from a relatable real person with a real experience just like you. It isn't a glossy commercial that costs millions of dollars with hours of retouching and editing. It isn't a magazine ad you'll flip over on your way to an article. No, it's told by someone you think you know or someone you think you trust or think you relate to telling you that you should buy something. So scrolling under the influencer is you watching this person who has given you curated details of their life, including but not limited to pictures of their mom, videos of their dog, oh look, here's a picture of the baby they just had, or a video chronicling the story of a battle they've been facing. And it's designed to establish a connection for you with this person that you've never actually met in real life. But here's this influencer that makes themselves relatable with this elevated feeling that still makes you want to be like them. So you follow them, and as they continue to pop up again and again in your feed, because the more they post, the more followers they have, and the more the algorithm favors their posts, the more you feel like you know them. And then all of the sudden, after 
many different posts about their life establishing a fake connection that seems real. They come on and then they say, hey guys, oh my god, I have to tell you about this new thing I got. Look, it's amazing because of this. And if you want to be just like me, then swipe up. To be clear, I'm not hating on anyone's entrepreneurialship. I think it's incredible that the internet has allowed people to work from anywhere in the world and still be successful. The idea of being confined to a desk is not the only path to success anymore. And I think that's awesome. I love that the internet and social media is a platform for talented people who live in the middle of nowhere and aren't able to move to Hollywood. And they still build an audience and create opportunity for themselves. I think that part of all of this is amazing. But it also created this black hole of crappy lack of ambition by giving girls who just take pictures of their butts a way to make money, like hawking laxative tea. And to be clear, I'm not ripping on OnlyFans. That is actually the appropriate place for the ass modeling and finally profiting from it. The hoes posting those pictures for free have been doing it wrong. So, finally, OnlyFans is for the smart girls who have decided to charge for that. And they should! I am not going to charge for that or ever have an OnlyFans. My ass is married, so we will not be seeing my OnlyFans. I only have one fan. Thank you very much. But I'm not hating on people using the internet to provide for themselves or use it in a positive way to create a business. What I am really shading is the way that social media has used this as a system to create some kind of social hierarchy. Like that Black Mirror episode. If you haven't seen it, Bryce Dallas Howard goes completely insane trying to get to this wedding for a childhood friend who specifically chooses her to be in her wedding because of some algorithm ranking system and noting that her slightly overweight friend from childhood would give her the best chances to rank higher. And I'd love to think that that scenario is isolated to the brilliant mind of Charlie Brooker who writes Black Mirror, but I don't think it is. And you can see it with the influencers that you're paying attention to. So for instance, in the makeup community on YouTube, you will really notice this in particular. And, and they use this marketing tactic that kind of goes along with it. You can really see this amongst the beauty community or the people who are like the makeup tutorial influencers. You can see this a lot with them. So they're all friends and they have their little influencer circle of friends, or at least they all take pictures together. They all have a similar number of Instagram followers. They all go to the same events. They all hawk the same products. And if you're paying attention to the makeup community on YouTube, for instance, you would really start to notice this particular thing that I'm going to talk about. And honestly, I don't hate on this idea so much because makeup is something that expires. You kind of need to replenish it. You, you look for different products because you will use different things for different reasons. And it is nice to hear about new products once in a while. So from an advertising perspective, I think this tactic is brilliant. A company like Maybelline, for instance, will do a blitz of their new product with somewhere around 10 influencers who all have a similar number of followers, but a slightly different vibe. So your audience is just diverse enough and they all get the same product, but they all use it in their own individual way. 
And then all of the people who watched the tutorial video of them talking about it and showing how to use it end up knowing and hearing about the product firsthand. Word of mouth advertising. It's brilliant in a way. And it's way more targeted to the audience that they're actually trying to reach. When you consider that a 30 second commercial at 8 p.m. on a Tuesday, it might cost $30,000 to air one time, but you could pay influencers $5,000 a piece and reach millions of potential customers who actually care about the product. It's a lot more targeted, and I, I think because of that, it enhanced an advertising experience, and it also enhanced a customer knowledge and a customer experience. This is one of the things that I think is amazing about the influencer of social media and about your phone, about the internet, about the ability to find things that are actually meant for you that you enjoy. But in the midst of that, there is so much crap. So circling back to the book, How to Break Up With Your Phone, this book gives you the awareness for where your attention and your focus is going. And I feel that if you are one of those people, like one of my best friends, who's very susceptible to this influencer tactic of, we're friends, trust me, look at me, OMG, swipe up. If you are one of those people who find yourself falling into this trap, I recommend this book tenfold because it also gives you the perspective of your time and the realization that your attention has become a currency. It's valuable. And even if you didn't buy the product, how much money was made by someone else that's not you just because you simply engaged with it or because you looked at it for several seconds? Again, if somebody Venmoed you every single time you looked at your phone, you'd want to be on it all the time too. Now we're going to talk about some tips and tricks I've learned from this book and also some things I do on my own to help start curbing that use and productively use my time. One of the productivity tactics I'm taking is by doing this podcast, for starters, which is amazing because lately I have felt really uh, creatively stagnant. I've also felt like we're just never going to laugh again at anything, ever. Like, I don't know how we started this year, but wound up in a place where nothing is fucking funny. Especially over the summer, because absolutely nothing was funny over the summer. And now we're in this place where people are starting to feel slightly hopeful about the promise of hopefully something better Obviously not in this very beginning of 2021, but further, right? Like a month out, people are like, hopefully it'll be better by then. But it isn't like the ball dropped and it was the end of the shitty version of Cinderella. So I guess the best we can hope for is progress. And that's what I love in the midst of this idea of scrolling under the influencer. Progress, not perfection, progress. I, for one, would love the ability to just turn off the swipe up feature. I'd love to be able to select parameters within the algorithm that shows me only what I want to see. I want to see funny videos and memes, some sports updates and my family and friends. But in order for us to have the control of what we see on social media, it would take a ton of lobbying and political interference at this point since tech companies have so much money and power 
as is very obvious lately. And that sounds like a real big uphill battle. But eventually, we even got a warning label on cigarettes. So it isn't like it's impossible. But (laughs) just for a second, can you imagine that? What if when you opened up Instagram, a warning label popped up, like the ones on cigarette packaging and alcohol bottles, and it says, like, caution, Surgeon General's warning, spending too much time on social media has proven a diminished attention span, a lack of focus in children and adults, ill effects on mental health, and contributed to suicide cases, or, like, whatever. But can you imagine if we got a genuine warning of its proven terrible side effects before you scrolled? Would you keep using it? I know people who still smoke, but at least we're all on the same page about how terrible it is for you. So, something to think about. Going forward, here are some things I have done with my phone and social media to limit the habit of my use and some things that you can very easily do yourself. Would I delete all of it and go back to a Nokia brick if I could? Let's be realistic. No. Because I do think that there's wonderful things about it. Anybody who remembers having to give the pizza guy directions to your house, you appreciate the hell out of the Domino's app, okay? It gives the pizza guy the fastest direction to your house so your pizza is still hot when it gets there. That's brilliant. There are parts of technology that are amazing, but there's a lot of parts about it that just kind of make you feel like crap. So, first of all, be present. Set an intention when you get on the internet. Don't just scroll under the influence. You need to be present and paying attention to everything you're seeing. And try to unfollow, mute, snooze, or block the things that don't. I don't know about you guys, but leading up to the election, that tactic was my best friend. Because I just don't need to see that kind of anxiety again and again. I'm not even one of those people that would say, oh, I'm an empath. I feel your energy is so strong. No, no, no. It's not even about that. I just don't need the 20 minutes of my day I'm using my phone for a little mental break and see your insane, anxiety-ridden bullshit about how the world is fucking ending. I don't care to see it, okay? I don't care, and you need to not care about that person's shit either. So going forward, turn off the notifications you genuinely don't need. Even the ones that don't buzz your phone, the the ones that like just light up the screen, turn those off. (laughs) You don't need it. Guess what? If they're fucking emailing you, it's probably not important. When was the last time somebody close to you died and in order to inform you, someone sent you an email? No, they picked up the phone and they called you, probably more than once if you didn't answer. So nothing of life or death importance is usually sent in a fucking email. You don't need the alert on. Just check it a few times a day. You should be good to go. Another amazing tip that the book gave me is to turn your phone to grayscale so that everything is in black and white. I've ended up turning this off because I use a stock app where I need to see which candles are red and green. But... If I had the ability to switch only certain apps to grayscale, Instagram would be the first to go. The second that app was in black and white, I just didn't care as much. It was such a strange visual effect 
when you're looking at your phone and everything is in black and white, it was just like the Wizard of Oz. How in the beginning it's black and white, then the tornado happens and she gets to Oz and everything is this magical ass world of colors and little people and witches and yellow brick roads. Your phone has been designed to be just like Oz. It's this magical experience for you, crafted on purpose, so you'd never want to leave. But you are Dorothy. You are wearing the red slippers. And you can go home whenever you want to. You've always had the power button all along. Thank you guys so much for listening to Relax, We're All Gonna Die. I'm Jackie Dutton, and I will see you talk, see, hear, talk to you guys in the next one.